Welcome to the Denton's Business Insights Podcast. I'm Blair McCready, the Managing Partner of Denton's Toronto. And on this podcast, we discuss topics and trends to help general counsel and business leaders grow, protect, operate, and finance their businesses in Canada and around the world. Now, there's an old saying that there's only two certainties in life, death and taxes. And today, we're here to talk about the latter and the CRA's new audit powers. Now, in the 2022 fall economic statement, the federal government emphasized that an economy that works for everyone is an economy where everyone plays by the same set of rules. And to this end, um, the federal government has enhanced the Canada Revenue Agency's ability to unravel what they see as tax avoidance schemes. These efforts, which began in 2021, uh, are expected to support the recovery of about $2.3 billion in lost revenue and the collection of $5 billion in uh, assessed taxes that still remain outstanding over the last five years. So here with me to discuss the CRA's new expanded audit powers are Jacob Yao, who's a partner in our Toronto tax group, as well as Caroline Harrell, who's an associate in the Toronto tax group. Jacob, Caroline, thanks very much for uh, joining the, the podcast here today. And uh, Caroline, let's, let's jump right in um, and perhaps you can set some context. How did the government expand the CRA's audit powers in the fall economic statement? Sure. So um, Bill C-32 was implemented uh, or was implementing certain provisions that were introduced in the 2022 fall economic statement and the 2022 federal budget. And it received royal assent last December. Um, and a major theme that came from Bill C-32 is the CRA's expanded audit powers. And as you mentioned, Blair, the federal government uh, is investing a lot into strengthening the CRA's compliance efforts. In the 2022 budget, the government proposed giving the CRA $1.2 billion over a five-year period to expand its audits of large entities and non-residents who are engaged in aggressive tax planning, uh, to increase the investigation and prosecution of criminal tax evasion, and also to expand its educational outreach to taxpayers. So increasing the CRA's resources is uh, certainly something that the government cares about. Um, in our two-part series, uh, which can be found under the Featured Insights tab on dentums.com, we discuss two major changes that we think taxpayers should be aware of uh, with respect to the CRA's new audit powers. So specifically the CRA's ability to compel oral interviews and the CRA's expanded powers to demand information from taxpayers and third parties. Okay, so there are really two new elements to this, this legislation. So let's start with the CRA's new ability to compel oral interviews. Um, Jacob, can you expand uh, how that works? Yeah, happy to. Uh, so in the old days, prior to Bill C-32, the way it worked was the CRA generally conducted audit, audit interviews by submitting a list of questions to the taxpayer, uh, and the taxpayer would re respond by providing written answers within a reasonable time. Um, and even though the audit powers uh, in the past were still very broad, the CRA didn't have a legal authority to compel individuals or corporations to submit to an actual oral interview. And this was actually confirmed by the Federal Court of Appeal in the Cameco decision. 
Um, and the court upheld the, the holding saying, well, while expansive, the powers didn't uh, couldn't be interpreted to confer a general power to compel oral answers with respect to a tax liability. So if the auditor wanted to conduct an oral interview, the taxpayer's consent was needed and the auditor was limited to interviewing the business owner or the manager. Um, so in response to this adverse decision in Cameco, Parliament, as it's entitled to do, they, they, they changed the law. So they dramatically uh, expanded these audit powers, um, giving the CRA new uh, abilities to compel any other person, including the taxpayer, to attend at a place designated by the CRA or by video conference or other form of electronic communication and to answer questions orally. So what does this all mean? Uh, it means now that the CRA can compel a taxpayer or any other person to attend any place to attend by uh, and submit to oral interviews or Microsoft Teams, and also to prepare certain documents in certain prescribed forms. So in your view, Jacob, what things do in-house counsel and business leaders need to think about if the CRA asks for this type of oral interview? Yeah, so I would say the first thing is that, well, we should expect to see an increasing trend in oral interviews. Um, the CRA has made it very clear that they put a lot of weight to oral interviews because they find it's a more efficient process of conducting the audit. They also find it, it establishes credibility early on, and they and they put more weight towards what is stated during an oral interview by the taxpayer or a representative than by sort of self-serving statements that come a little bit later to try and correct the statement. So, so that raises a few concerns um, as we see more oral interviews. The first concern is that um, what is said during these uh, initial oral interviews could be used down the line um, as part of the audit, but also in, in, in connection with tax court. If this audit goes awry, there's a notice of reassessment by the CRA and there's a subsequent tax dispute. So we always encourage um, our clients and taxpayers to hire a lawyer early on because you don't really know how these statements could be interpreted or used later on. Um, Another consideration relates to the location of the interview. So, so now the powers of the CRA allow them to compel attendance at any place designated by the CRA. Um, so you know that raises privacy concerns. If they're asking the interview to take place at the premises of a taxpayer, it could be, you know, it could be other places where there's private or confidential information. That raises a concern. And the last concern is about the scope of who may be interviewed. So the issue is that the, the CRA could compel attendance by a lawyer or other third-party advisors like accountants, and that could in, in turn trigger an audit potentially of those advisors, clients, or lead to other questions. So there's a number of concerns in this area. It's new legislation. It's completely uncharted, but those are some of the concerns that uh, we've identified. And so, Caroline, let me let me bring you in here as well. So, as I understand it, the second big change in the fall economic statement is the CRA's expanded power to demand information from taxpayers. Can you help us understand how this works? Yeah. So, uh, before Bill C thirty two, the CRA could request to taxpayers documents or records that related to information that is or should be in the taxpayer's books and records or information that related to any amount payable under the act. And the new legislation expands the scope of this in two major ways. So first, the CRA can now request documents or records if they're relevant to determining the obligations or entitlements of the taxpayer under the act. 
So they're no longer limited to documents that relate to amounts payable, but can, for example, request documents that relate to filing or compliance or reporting obligations, even if no tax is payable. Uh, also, uh, as Jacob briefly mentioned, the CRA can now compel um, oral interviews, but they can also ask for answers to questions in writing, and they can ask for those answers in any form that they want. So taxpayers might taxpayers might have to create charts or spreadsheets that synthesize information for the CRA. Um, so this could obviously create a big administrative burden and uh, a bigger cost on taxpayers. But the second big change here is that the CRA can request documents and records from the taxpayer or any other person if they relate to the obligations or entitlements of the taxpayer or any other person. So in other words, the CRA can now audit taxpayer X to determine taxpayer Y's tax liability. So if that's the case and the CRA can now demand records from other persons, to whom might this apply? Yeah, so uh, for third parties, you know, a taxpayer's advisors, customers, suppliers, contractors, any other service provider, um, they could be subject to more frequent and more demanding requests for information from the CRA. Um, it's uh, There's a concern that information provided by a third party to the CRA could actually trigger an assessment or audit of that third party itself, or maybe of their other clients. Um, or the information could be used as part of an audit or assessment of a totally separate taxpayer. Um, and I'll also note here uh, that there's been case law that's considered the scope of the CRA's audit powers um, previously, and uh, in particular, the interaction between Section 231.1, which is the section that was amended, and Section 231.2 of the Act, which contains uh, very broad powers for the CRA to get information outside of the audit context, um, but there's case law that under the previous legislation considered whether these two provisions uh, conflicted or whether they were redundant. Um, and we, we mentioned this in part two of our article, and I won't get into more details here other than to say that we don't know how the old case law will apply to the new legislation. So it's just another area of uh, uncertainty that came from this, this new uh, legislation. But stepping back for a moment, what safeguards are in place to protect a taxpayer in these circumstances? Like, are there privacy concerns to think about? Or can the CRA demand this information as of right? So under Section 231.1, the legislation that was amended, um, the CRA can ask for this information. Uh, there aren't the same safeguards in place that you do see under uh, 231.2, which has, for example, um, requires the minister to get a court order to obtain information because, you know, it'll be about an unnamed third party. Uh, we don't see these safeguards in place for Section 231.1, which is what gave rise to some of this case law uh, in the past. And and maybe if a court were to consider it, uh, again, given the expansion of Section 231.1, there'd be a different outcome. But uh, as of now, we don't see those safeguards in place. So one issue that strikes me, particularly if the CRA is allowed to ask for information from third parties, and I think Jacob touched on this earlier uh, around asking in bookkeepers, lawyers, sort of other suppliers. Um, 
specifically on the issue of solicitor client privilege, because I'm I'm interested on that point. Jake, I'm, I'm guessing that many of the in-house counsel and business leaders listening to this podcast will be thinking, how do these expanded audit powers apply to communications that they may be having with in-house or external counsel? Like, can their lawyers really be called to give this information? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So I guess the first point is that um, sol solicitor client privilege still applies in this case. So even though the CRA has been uh, equipped with much broader powers than ever. It doesn't derogate from the fact that solicitor client privilege still exists in Canada. And, and just by way of back background, um, the privilege applies to confidential communications uh, in respect of the giving or receiving of, of legal advice between uh, a lawyer and, and their client. So in, in the context of a, a tax audit, the question is whether any answers um, that could be provided would could potentially be subject to privilege. And, and that would be privileged if, for instance, a transaction, a tax-related structure, or tax advice were, were given by um, a lawyer um, as legal advice to a client. And if that, if that were the case, then, then those, those communications and that legal advice is privileged. And so in conducting an oral interview with the CRA, it's important not to inadvertently waive um, uh, uh, solicitor client privilege by disclosing something that was subject to, to a confidential communication. Um, all this to say that privilege still exists and that's why it's important, um, we think, to hire and engage a lawyer early on and have a lawyer present uh, and assist with preparations for these oral interviews to ensure that there isn't inadvertent disclosure or waiver of, of privilege. Well, Caroline, Jacob, I, I'd like to thank you both for sharing your insights on the CRA's expanded audit powers uh, with us here today. Now, for those who may be listening to the podcast and would like more information or may have other questions, please check out Jacob and Caroline's two-part series on the CRA's expanded audit powers, which can be accessed on our Denton's website under the Featured Insights tab. Stay tuned for future episodes on the Denton's Business Insights podcast series, which you can find on our dentons.com podcast page. There you can access other episodes as well as descriptions for each topic, information on our speakers, and links to additional resources that were referenced in today's podcast. Denton's is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Thanks very much for joining. Mm -hmm.